And we're back on the hunt with Supernatural Season 6, Episode 1, Exile on Main Street. I'm Chris Barrows. And my name's Dan Cummins. Welcome back to the best Supernatural podcast on the air. Chris, I thought you were about to say Season 5 there. Um, I certainly was thinking that we were still on Season 5, but we're not. Of course, we're into Season 6 now. It's a big day for us. You know, when we started talking about this podcast, Chris, obviously the first five seasons is what I I just naturally think of when I think of Supernatural, right? But there's 10 more seasons left. And I think it's important that we raise this at the top here, Chris. This is a new era. And more specifically, there's a new showrunner in town. And her name is Sarah Gamble. And Sarah Gamble is going to be the showrunner along with Bob, of course, Robert Singer. We can't forget about him. They're going to head this thing up for the next two seasons, Chris. So... Yes, it's Sam and Dean, Bobby, Cass, all the familiar faces. But like behind the scenes, it's kind of a different show, isn't it? I mean, Kripke certainly is still here as a writer, Chris. And I think he's probably even an EP. But you and I both know it's not the same vision. It's not the same show. It's a different experience. So I just want to like put that out there at the top here. Our expectations, mine, Chris, certainly are a little bit lower. It's a rewatch. We've seen these seasons before. We know it's not the golden standard. That's not to say it's not a great show, though, Chris. I love season six. I love this episode in particular. So um, I just wanted to, to put that little bookend at the top here. What do you think about season six? Do you remember when this first came out, Chris? Like where you were, what you were expecting, like what you actually remember about it? So when I jumped into Supernatural, I was a, I jumped in later. As I've said before, I didn't jump in right at the beginning. And I believe new seasons were like eight and nine or seven and eight by the time it might have been season eight was the newest season because I remember asking, do I need to continue? Uh, should I continue? A question we see on Reddit quite a bit. I saw that, All you know, that was on Reddit the other day. So uh, I know where I was because it had already aired. And in that sense, I did watch. And season six, I, I really enjoy. It is the season of Soulless Sam. And if you look at season six, seven and eight, there's a lot of Sam focus throughout these seasons. We're going to get into some more Dean-focused seasons, what, in around nine? Not, it might not be nine exactly, but like 10, 11, 12 for sure are definitely more Dean. So there's a lot of Sam focus where it was a, a balance in the first few seasons. And I, I feel like in these seasons, they focus a little more on one than the other. Um, I don't know if you feel that way, but that's the sense and what I'm remembering at least, because this one is very much about Sam and it's soulless Sam. It, it is a Sam who's not quite all there. And when we first start watching this in our first run through, we we don't know exactly what's up, but we know something is weird. Yeah, it's definitely about Sam, Chris. And, and that's because this really deals with the aftermath of the apocalypse, right? But it also explains sort of what happened in the interim. I have a quote here, Chris, I thought I would read. Thanks to the folks over at uh, SupernaturalFandom.com. And it's a Sarah Gamble quote. And she talks about how Kripke sort of handed the show off to her. I'd like to read that here if I can. Go for um, it. So she says, we thought season five would be the last season, but pretty early into it, Kripke came to me and he said, signs are pointing towards a season six, but he was ready to move on and he asked me to step in. And he came to me really early because there was a tremendous amount of learning and training and coming behind the curtain to see what he and Bob were doing that had to happen. And there was a part of me that was just lovingly super pissed at Eric. I was like, do we have to do this after the apocalypse? We literally burn the story all the way to the apocalypse. We have to start over and find a whole new classification of villains. So what the hell are we going to do? But we had several months to ponder that, and we had a great writer's room, and everybody put their heads together. And Eric, to his credit, 
stayed with the show and was very active in constructing season six. And that was incredibly helpful to me personally. Eric was instrumental in figuring out what we were going to do next. It was like a reboot. So there you go, Chris. It, it was like a reboot. I love that last sentence because in a lot of ways, it's it kind of is a reboot, right? How do you top the apocalypse, Chris? That's the question they had to answer with this season and with this episode. Yeah, and this one kicks off uh, Exile Main Street being the episode September 24th, 2010 is the air date. We've got uh, Philip is back directing this one. Also, uh, this one written by Kripke Gamble and Dab. IMDb rating is low. This is, I'll just say right now, it's one of our trivia pieces, but the lowest rated premiere to this point. It's a 7.6. And I wonder how much of that came in later day. I don't know when. There's so many ratings, you know, on this one, but this is the lowest uh, that we've seen to date. And I don't agree with the 7.6. I just want to say that I think as a reintroduction, this is a solid episode. No, it's not a nine. No, I, I'm not going to go there, but I think it's solid uh, because you do have uh, a scenario that last episode ended with Sam staring outside the window, which was kind of creepy now when, when, when you think about who Sam is in this season, um, just kind of staring out into the window. What was he doing there? When was that? Was that the night before this episode? I mean, you could assume that based on what happens in this one, because it's been one year since Sam stopped the apocalypse. We're going to be in two places in this one, by the way, Cicero, Indiana, and Sioux Falls, South Dakota. So two core places. It's been one year. Dean is living a normal life. He's got a construction job. The Impala, similar to the last episode, and I, I, I point this out to the series finale, has not been driven. And to me, it's a clear sign of when one has stopped hunting, they put... And I'm not, and I, I don't know, can't say it's for every hunter, but in the case of the boys, when they aren't hunting, they put the car, quote unquote, to rest during that time frame, because Dean not hunting, he's driving a truck. He, he's not driving the Impala around. And I think that's, I, I think it's worth noting, just because when we get to that series finale, Sam's got that thing under with the awful wig. I mean, God, the awful wig. We'll, we don't have to talk about that, so let's not. That that's under a tarp too in that particular case. So when they quit, they have both put this under a tarp. I just thought that was really interesting to think about. Yeah. And and metaphorically, Chris, Dean has put himself under a tarp. If you think about it, right? He is not himself. He, uh, and there's a montage at the top of the episode, Chris, where, you know, it shows Dean grabbing salt to cook and then it flashes back to him using salt to hunt. Right. And then he's using, uh, he goes into like a tool chest or, you know, just to, to grab tools for his new job as a construction worker. And then it flashes back to him grabbing tools to kill a vampire. Right. So I love that comparison. Mm-hmm. Dean just isn't himself. Right. He's got golf clubs. He's a dad. Like this whole new life that Dean has been living. Um, it really is evident to us that this is a different Dean. But I raised a question here, Chris. And I, I think, you know, we talk about this episode being low. Right. It's a necessary episode. You have to have this episode to lay the groundwork for the rest of the season, right? So I think there is a little bit of context that maybe doesn't add a ton of value for the story, but I think personally is necessary. The big question in this episode is where is Sam, right? But also once Sam arrives, and we're going to get to that plot point in just a minute, is was it right for Dean to live this life, right? We talk about how Dean agreed 
to Sam that he would live with Lisa because he promised he would stop looking for him, right? Once we realize that Sam is back, the question becomes, was that the right thing to do to Dean? Because yes, we see him living this normal life, but he's not happy, right? He's just doing it because he has no other options. Um, regardless of that, Chris, I thought it was really cool to see Dean live a normal life, like to see what this guy would dress like. What would he drive? What are his hobbies, right? For Dean to be playing golf, kind of crazy. I never actually pegged Dean as a golf guy, but it's a sport, as he says. So, so we're picking up the pieces it really isn't until Dean starts to feel this kind of like gut feeling that there's something supernatural that we really get into the story though, Chris. And he thinks that he's on a hunt and he's out with a friend having drinks. They leave the bar. He gets a, a waitress's number, but ultimately he walks out of the bar and he feels like there's something wrong. I think he hears a cry and he goes into this building with a flashlight and it's really cool to see Dean be Dean again. Right. Cause he's more or less put that life behind him. Uh, shout out to James Gunn. Pretty cool scene uh, with Jensen walking around a building with a flashlight. Gave me very like Batman vibes. Just putting that out there. I think Jensen <laughs> would be a great Batman, Chris. Uh, I know a lot of people feel the same way, but like he's living this double life. He's sort of being a Bruce Wayne while working this construction job. But then at night when he hears, you know, someone needing help, he goes and he does the whole Hunter Batman thing. Anyway, it's clear to us that Dean is feeling something around here in terms of like supernatural activity. And that really is what pushes the story forward. Yeah, it's, it is interesting. I, I, there's some happiness to Dean. I think he genuinely likes being with Lisa. I think there's, I, I, so I think it's conflicted is the way I describe Dean. He's conflicted yeah. because he is still Dean Winchester and he has killed a lot of monsters and who's to say when someone's going to come after him, which I feel like comes up even more so in the second episode of this season. Uh, yeah. But he does start to sense something and he's attacked by Aziel. But Sam saves is, is the one who saves him. And he thrusts the syringe into like Dean's into Dean. And then Dean wakes up in this old house to see it's Sam. And Sam has to prove he's human. He does all the different tricks, which I thought was just a great scene. Sam's kind of just, Casual, a little bit of cock, a little bit cocky in this moment. Mm -hmm. Not completely unusual to this point, right? He, he's just right. kind of like, no, it's me. I, I promise. And then ultimately, it's revealed that Sam doesn't know how he's back, but he woke up a year ago. Now, this means he's been around a year. Um, he has not told Dean he's been back. And that's where a few things get revealed because we learn one, he's been hunting. And, and Dean even says, what are you, hunting with strangers? He goes, not really. They're family. Literally. Because it's the Campbell family. I love this plot point in season six that we get some Campbell side of the family. And they really, you talk about growing up and hunting. I mean, they grew up in hunting. They hunted together. You can only imagine if the Winchesters and the Campbells were closer. Man, there could have been a lot more partnership in this category for a few years. Could have been helpful, right? But uh, you got Gwen, Christian, Mark, and John, and Samuel Campbell, who are all there. And Samuel's a big one. We're, we're going to see that reunion, but Samuel being resurrected. So now you've got two people resurrected, which has some questions. Yeah. But Dan, the monster in this one, the other thing that's real is that they've been hunting Jin, and they suspected that they were going to be going after him. We Last time we saw one of these things, we saw... Dean and Sam living very different lives in a parallel universe of sorts, which was Dean's brain, right? 
Uh, and that is what is and what should never be an episode you really liked. So we get a callback to this monster. And this is the exciting thing, getting callbacks to some of these monsters who we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, I, I really did love that part. And and I like that we get the Campbells. It's it's kind of hard to explain where they've been the whole time. And Dean sort of acts as the viewer, Chris. And he says, well, where the hell have you guys been, right? We just fought the apocalypse. It would have been nice to have backup. But we digress. We move past that. Samuel is back from the dead. Very interesting choice, Chris. Now we have two people back from the dead, right? Theoretically, Sam and Samuel. Very interesting to throw that into the first episode. But yeah, then we also get the idea of old monsters coming back. And in this particular case, the djinn. And they they kind of, um, what's the word, Chris? They sort of boost the powers of the djinn in this one because now the djinn can just look like normal people, right? We have to explain that the djinn are a little more powerful. They're a little different. But what they have in common with the last djinn is that they are actually family. And they're here to get Sam and Dean because they iced a djinn way back in season two, Chris. And I know you and I personally love those callbacks to earlier seasons. So now they're dealing with the djinn. The problem, though, is that Dean is not home, right? If they're after him, they are now going to be after his family. So he rushes back to Lisa's house, and uh, and and luckily, they're okay. Dean has the idea to bring him to Bobby's, however. And let me get back into that question of, hey, you know, Bobby, did you know Sam was back this whole time? And it turns out that, yes, he did. So not only did Sam know he was back, right? And not tell Dean. Bobby knew too, Chris. So I asked a question that I, I mentioned a few minutes ago. Was it right to keep Dean in the dark about this? Was it okay to keep him in the dark, to let him live this normal life, despite the fact that Dean didn't really want it? I think there's a good argument here. I think the first side is, well, Dean obviously didn't want this life. So it's kind of fucked up to not tell him that Sam's back, right? The other side, though, Chris, is that you could say, yes, Dean wasn't happy or like he wasn't content living with Lisa, but it was good for him. Right. Like he needed this break. A lot of um, a lot of people that have toxic, toxic, you know, lives or partners or whatever, they might not even know that they're in that situation just to get them out of it for a little bit ultimately is good for their health. So it's an interesting conversation, Chris. I think personally, I'm more on the side of Dean should have been told as soon as Sam was resurrected. Like, yes, Dean, maybe you could argue needed this life, but he didn't want it. And he makes that very, very clear multiple times. He was only doing this because he promised Sam and he had no other options. What are your thoughts on, on that situation? What are your thoughts on Bobby knowing also, though? I think it's okay for Sam to have known, right? And to not told him. But for Sam to tell Bobby and, and argue, you would imagine, Chris, that it was Sam's idea to force Bobby not to tell Dean, right? What do you think about that? Is that manipulative? Do you think it was the right thing to do? I, I question if they thought he was happy or not. Like how, I don't know how much they were clearly checking in. You know, they might've believed true happening. Again, I feel like he's complaining because I think he does really care about Lisa. I think he just knows this isn't him. Um, I do think he cares a lot about Ben and Lisa. I think they really are important to him. So he felt some, at a certain point he felt, like he had to be there, right? I, I think that was right. part of it because he he does make a choice at the end of this episode to maintain that, right? He thinks he needs to. So to me, that tells me something. To that point, Bobby not telling him, I know stings. Um, and, and the fact that Bobby knew it wasn't like Sam was off on his own doing it, hiding it. I could understand understand Sam watching distance and saying, he's there, he's got a family, I'm good. Like he doesn't right. know anything. You questioned what they knew. 
Um, I think if they had no clue and they thought he was happy, then honestly, Bobby's argument would work of you cut out. That is a rare thing. You had closure. Um, there was no, it's always going to end poorly, which we know it ends poorly as a hunter, right? So, uh, you know, I, you're probably right. I, I think that they were, had good intentions, but good intentions poorly executed would probably be the best way to put it. Uh, but I do right. don't, I do think, I don't think they had ill intent. I really think they wanted him to get out of a life because they thought that that was a blessing for a hunter. And totally. but the other concern I have with this, and I'll just note this is because, you know, in this moment, you know, Bobby ends up taking in the family. Right. And and all this gets discovered. But it is realistic that something like this was going to happen. They've killed a lot of monsters. Eventually, someone's going to come after Dean is living a life where he's always looking over his shoulder. And right. I don't know how healthy that is. Um, but that means also likelihood of someone coming after the family this is not shocking in any way to me so so how fair is it to lisa and ben is the question i actually turn back screw dean in that question how fair is it to lisa and ben because i understand caring about them but when it comes down to it lisa and ben they're going to get put in danger at some point it's it's unavoidable and uh so i think that's the, the the real moral question is how fair is that and and I, I that's where I don't think it's fair. I think this was always going to happen because I mean, look, even when they're brought to Bobby's, this is a frustrating situation. They're kind of go with the flow, chill. They understand he's a hunter, but he said, "I don't want to bring him up as a hunter." And we see this in early episodes uh, of the show. We'll talk about it more. I think even in episode two or episode three, where you start to see, well, would Ben want to be a hunter? And and we know Dean doesn't want that. So now. How does he protect them? Good question. Um, but here's the thing, Dan. We are talking about the fact that they want to have a normal life. Dean, in turn, tries to ask him about hell. Sam don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about that. I'm back. That doesn't matter. We've been here before. Mm-hmm. Question I would pose is, does he owe him that conversation? Because he, in turn, had told him, even if it wasn't easy, Hey, I, I, I almost wish Dean had said, I've been there. I understand. Like I'm, we actually can both say we've been in hell. Let me help you. I know it's going to like rack on your brain. Yeah. I guess it's a good thing. We don't scratch that too much. We probably, it might get ugly knowing what we know about Sam. Yeah, exactly. To me, it's, it, it seemed like, uh, I had the sense, Chris, that Sam was lying about something, right? Not just that he didn't want to talk about it, but that he was hiding something, right? And you and I both know, ultimately, that is the case. Um, so him not wanting to talk about it, I think you're right. I think uh, I don't think that's a good excuse, considering Dean ultimately opened up a little bit to Sam. But yeah, they're going to have some sticky conversations pretty soon, Chris. Um, but look, we get back to the gin, and Dean is a little gun-ho, right? He hasn't been hunting in a year. He takes some dumb risks. He sees his his neighbors get killed. And Dean's like, this is my fault, right? Dean is now riding this guilt wave, Chris, as you said. He's been yeah. living with Lisa and Ben. They're being hunted now because of him. But more than that, now it's like people that are just outside of his circle. His neighbors are being killed because of Dean, right? He sees them be killed. He runs after them like an idiot. And of course, he himself gets poisoned because he hasn't fought a gin in, you know, years, Chris. Quite literally, like three or four years at this point. Um and then he has the nightmare, right? I guess you can call it a nightmare, Chris. But when he's poisoned, he sees Ben and Lisa 
pretty much reliving what Sam and his own mom had to relive through yellow eyes. Right. And I love the decision, Chris, to bring back Azazel, like, and the actual actor that played him. I love that they didn't take a new actor and just make his eyes yellow. Right. I've kind of forgot how menacing yellow eyes is. So the, the concept of, of bringing him back and having Dean relive that with Ben, you know, sucking blood like Sam did and Lisa being burned on the ceiling. I thought it was a really great way to show us that Dean now feels guilty that he's gotten them in the way of, of danger. Um, and, and ultimately it's Sam and Samuel that actually do the hunting here, right? Dean is kind of useless. He, he wasn't following his gut. He, he ran with emotion and he got himself in trouble. They, they save Dean Chris, but they take the gin away. This is interesting because obviously hunters try to hunt the monster, right? And they kill them. The decision to take the gin away somewhere is very interesting. And I remember watching this for the first time, Chris, back in 2010, thinking that's strange. Like it stuck out to me even then that they didn't just kill it, that they that they had to bring it somewhere, right? And and we're still gonna we're gonna start to feel like Sam and Samuel are hiding things more and more. This is our first clue, really, that something is going on behind the scenes. Yeah, I, it's it's an interesting takeaway because I think the first time around, I don't even don't remember if I noticed it, but obviously this time I did. Um, they also follow this up by saying, hey, come back to the hunting, like, which I found really funny in a way because Dean clearly needs a little training. Like it wasn't like um, it was he got right back on the bike. Right. So at that moment, when he decides to go back and say, no, I have to protect Lisa and Ben, we see the type of man Dean is. Even if that's not the perfect life, even if there's a conflict and maybe he does want to hunt, right? Because he offers baby and 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 Sam's like, no, I'm I'm good. I, I don't need it. And Sam has that reaction many times I, I, I in this show where it's like, it's a car. It really, truly is Dean's car. Uh, you know, it is not Sam's car, even when Sam has had it for periods of time. Um, I remember later in later seasons, he'll yell at he'll end up yelling at Sam for how poorly he took care of it. So um, it, it, it you go to see the kind of distaste that Sam really just doesn't see as more than anything but a car. But uh, I, I do think when it comes down to it, that the taking away of vision, it, it's it's noticeable, but it gets more and more noticeable as it goes on. And that episode is going to be clearly set up by the time we get to why that is the yeah. case. Um, and there is a good reason. And I think that's one of the reasons that up front, I like this season because I, I like the concept of what this season is about. I really do. Um, you know, season six, I, I think is a, is a decent season. I, I really believe it's, it's a quality, uh, quality set of episodes. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how many, uh, how many of these duds we run into. Um, I'm guessing we start to run into more duds, uh, than we did in the past for, for yourself, and myself, but uh, at this point, like I said, it may be a 7.6, but I think this episode, to your point, necessary. I think it does a good job setting up everything, and it gives us an inkling of a few things going on, from awkward reactions to seeing Dean, to, to carrying something away, to Samuel being resurrected. It leaves you enough questions to say, okay, where are we going? But it doesn't give you the answer straight up, and I kind of like that. Right. Yeah, it's a reboot. As we said at the top here, Chris, they have to set up a few things, especially in these first few episodes that they're going to touch on later. Right. That's important. This episode, though, Chris, while it is only, a, you know, a high seven, there's some really interesting like trivia and in quotes. I have a couple here not in our notes. Um, 
when Dean is digging through an old box in his garage at the very top of the episode, you see John's leather jacket, the really long brown trench coat leather jacket from the uh, season five finale. Uh, you also see John's journal. The journal makes an appearance, Chris. I know you in particular love that journal. So love that journal. I thought it was cool. thought it was cool that they uh, that they threw it in there. Um, the other one here is that Samuel tells Dean that his ancestors were killing pilgrims or excuse me, Chris, killing vampires among the pilgrims. Like it's cool to have Samuel here because he can now fill the boys in on their hunting history. As we know, John was the first like Winchester to actually start hunting, right? It was the Campbells really that have hunting in their bloodline. So to have him around, he can tell us things like that. And I thought that was really great. I want that prequel. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, give me a Please. break. I know offense to the Winchesters, which I, I think I'm going to do a recap on actually at some point uh, and drop an episode on. But I, God, I want those prequels. The I want the cult prequel, uh, you know, the creation of the cult and the whole the whole creation of how they he he kept everything under wraps and built uh, built that uh, yes. the contraption that was used in the early seasons to to kind of keep all the baddies in. Uh, I, I just so many of these, these things that I want that we'll never get, unfortunately, you know, in my brain, that. I'll have them, but yeah. Killing, killing vampires on horseback. Right. We learned that about Samuel Cole. And apparently, you know, the, the Winchesters or I should say the Campbell is the bloodline runs all the way back then. Just really cool. Chris, uh, a couple other things here. The title of the episode is obviously from the Rolling Stones double album of the same name from 1972. And we got a few new cars here, Chris, or a couple, I should say. Sam drives a 2006 SRT8 Charger, which uh, kind of a popular car at the time, Chris. You could have seen that in Gilmore Girls, which we know Sam or Jared has a connection to. Uh, Miami Vice, a very popular show. And then another show about ghosts, Ghost Whisperer. So Sam's got a, a pretty pretty cool car that, honestly, Dean doesn't love. I think he calls it plastic in episode yep. three, Chris, which is really funny. Um, I, think I love it because there's a line about they're like, what's your gas mileage, Dean? Yeah. Great so line. Not great that line. his car has great gas mileage either, by the way. It, that that Dodge Charger does not have fantastic gas mileage, but it's better than a Chevy Impala from 67. That's for sure. Absolutely. And, and Dean, by the way, drives. And now it's either an 88 or an 89. I've seen multiple reports here, Chris, but Dean drives an F-250, uh, a Ford as like a work truck, obviously, because he's a construction worker now. So so very cool. Uh, this isn't the first time we saw a truck, though. If you remember, John was driving an 80s truck. It was an 81 GMC Sierra Grande, which is a very cool truck, Chris. I'm actually surprised that Dean didn't opt for something closer to that since he obviously is a fan of his dad's cars, but close enough. I think it's appropriate that Sam's driving a car that's newer and Dean is still driving an older car, even totally. if an older truck in, in this particular case. I thought, yep. thought it was appropriate. This is also, by the way, first appearance of uh, of our favorite yellow eyed demons since the season two finale in 2007. I, I will just echo your point. So cool to see him again and really a frightening villain. Um, yeah. Top five villain, I would argue, actually, as we've had this conversation, I think it's easy to say top five villain. Um, you maybe start to forget him in later seasons, but man, he was he was creepy. But, but yeah, we're back, Dan. We are back. And, and here we are. We're talking about season six now. So from this point forward, it's a new era. Next two seasons, as mentioned, different showrunner. And uh, we're going to see where this goes. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward to it. We're going to call it the thing we don't like. We're going to call it the things that we like. Um, ultimately, this is a journey about the brothers for us. And uh, from time to time, they're friends. Like, they're, you know, everyone's favorite angel. Um, but uh, 
you know, we're going to keep this definitely on the positive side as a whole, but we're as always not going to stray away from we didn't like an episode. We'll tell you. So I think it'll be fun, but it'll be fun to really pull out those little fun, fun facts and those trivia points. So come along on the hunt with us for another season. Uh, I don't know about you, Dan, but uh, I am excited to to dig into this one. Oh, yeah. And uh, if, if you don't follow us on Reddit or follow us on Twitter, be sure to do that. We're very active over there. Uh, we're still talking about yellow eyes on Reddit, Chris. Just the other day, I was, you know, filling someone in on the history of yellow eyes. That's, that's like what I, you know, live for on Reddit. I just like to engage in these interesting conversations. Uh, and of course, subscribe to the show if you like what you hear. Uh, Chris and I are, are going to keep this train rolling. We're not stopping until we get to the series finale. So new episodes every week. Join us next week for episode two which is titled Two and a Half Men. It's a great episode, Chris. Very funny. Excited to talk about it with you next week, buddy. Well, with that, I would say that is it for this week, but we will be back because, after all, we've got work to do.